0: This is episode 137 of Alohomora for May 16th, 2015. Hey everyone, welcome to another Potter-filled discussion episode of Alohomora. I'm Caleb Graves.
1: I'm Kristen Keys. And I'm Rosie Morris, and it is my pleasure to introduce today's special guest. Drew, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit there, Drew?
2: Hi, yes, uh, my name is Drew. Um, I am a Ravenclaw. Um, Pretty much every quiz I've ever taken has always placed me in Ravenclaw, so I pretty much uh, uh, connect with that house a lot. Um, I am an English teacher. I teach middle school English. Uh, I've been doing that for a few years now. Um, I am also a musician, a classical musician, so I do that in addition to my teaching as well. So... That's a
1: little bit about it. Awesome. Well,
0: I see you for teaching middle school.
2: Yeah, you're
1: right (laughs) at the correct age level. Age level. It never gets boring. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
3: And just a quick reminder, listeners, that this week we will be doing Chapter 19 in the
1: Half Blood Prince, which is Elf Tales. We would also like to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, Audible, exclusively for fans of Olohimura, They are offering a free audio download. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, so head over to audiblepodcast.com slash open to get yours now.
0: And before we head off to chapter 19, we're going to look at some of your comments from last week's episode, and once again, you guys went all out. I think we were around 200 comments whenever amazing. I checked earlier Woo! today. It was, I tried to read as many as possible, but my goodness, you guys are amazing. Um <laughs> So, our first comment comes from DiscKid and it is on the subject of apparating, and the comment says, Why does apparating have to be such ridiculously difficult magic? Before this chapter, I figured for apparating, they could just use their wand to say where they wanted to go, and then poof, they're there. After all, that's what happens with flu powder. I just couldn't believe the Wizarding World couldn't figure out an easier way to teleport. Not to mention, the side effects of apparating are so intense. Is there such a thing as post-traumatic apparating disorder in the wizarding world? (laughs) I would think that for some wizards, apparating and seeing body parts detached from their body could be quite terrifying. I don't want to see my body over there and my head floating in midair. That would probably cause me to never want to apparate again, even with side apparition. I can only imagine a terrible memory it would bring just watching somebody apparate. I'd be scared I'd see body parts detach. It is rather difficult to apparate, but I think that's one good thing. A good thing. R- rolling makes magic not not too easy.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think she did that on purpose. Once we kind of knew about apparating um, and we kind of had a few years to kind of think, well, is apparating just teleporting? That's like really easy. I think she deliberately introduced this kind of really hard way of learning how to do it. And it's a rite of passage, just like learning to drive. So it is meant to be that kind of difficult thing. That once you know how to do it, it's incredibly easy. But it's that kind of getting to that stage is important.
3: And there's always like a dangerous element to any kind of transporting. Doesn't matter what it is.
1: Yeah.
0: And as hard as it is, I will say operating is the thing I wish I could do more than. Anything, oh, definitely. <laughs> so quick and easy. <laughs> So we, it's so hard, but I think we easily forget that out in the Muggle world, wishing we
1: could do it. Mm-hmm. I'm still not sure that the body and the head would detach from each other. I think that would be a a death moment rather than that. <laughs> kind of, you can see your body over there moment. I, think, I hope you know, not. There, there's key kind of torso area still needs to be attached. You can lose ears, you can lose fingernails, and you can lose all that kind of stuff. But head from body sounds a bit difficult. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right.
2: So something I've always wondered about apparating is: is there a do we think there's a limit to how far you can apparate without like certain consequences?
1: I think we've discussed this on the show before that we we think it's easier to apparate closer to yourself, um, and it would co- it. You would need a a great deal of magic to apparate kind of cross country or cross continental, even, um, and that's why port keys and things exist because it makes it just that much easier to go long distance um but i i think you know for people like dumbledore operating long distance is probably easier but you still need to have seen the place that you're going to beforehand
2: um yeah the the one thing that i always like remember i think it's in deathly hallows they mentioned something about voldemort he when he goes to um uh somewhere i can't remember somewhere else in europe it uh he it mentioned something about how he had to like get into apparition range before he could apparate back to yeah. the Death Eaters. I don't know, does anybody remember what I'm talking about? Maybe it's
1: probably some kind of is it when he goes to go to Grindelwald's yeah, okay. prison? Yeah.
2: Yes, that's what it is. Yeah.
0: Yes. All right. The next comment um, comes on the topic of magic and philosophy from the queer Weasley cousin, and it says, "Gosh, I should have. I thought about trying to pronounce this word earlier, and I." Forgot to look it up. Goal think- Okay. Yeah. <laughs> third law seems to be connected to or even based on a quote by Aristotle from Metaphysics. The whole is more than the sum of its parts. It has been discussed before that knowledge of science, biology, physics, chemistry seems to be important for subjects like transfiguration and charms. Now this seems to suggest that philosophy could be helpful to understand magical processes too. Then, this also proves that there is some shared knowledge in magical and muggle science. I guess you have discussed that before, but I wonder how does this happen? Was there a time when the magical and muggle society were closer in contact with each other, and ideas spread from one another? Was Aristotle a wizard? Or is the magical community influenced by some brilliant muggle scientists and inventors, taking their ideas and applying them to magic? Personally, I like the idea that some muggle geniuses have influenced magical science and the other way around. For example, someone like Albert Einstein clearly was a muggle, and I think his ideas may have impacted the wizarding world. Or another theory maybe sometimes a witch or wizard decides to abandon the magical community and join the muggles, and because of their magic, ends up to be a very brilliant scientist. So, we have talked about science and magic before. Um, It's kind of an an easy connection to make. But I, I like the idea that, well, first off, there are just some brilliant muggles, period. And that the, <laughs> the magical community relies on their um their discoveries. And also this last point that that maybe like there, there are these um wizards or witches who just got so tired with the limitations of magic and actually moved into the muggle world.
1: Yeah. Uh, the last episode I was on, we were talking about um ancient languages, um, and how they kind of shaped spell casting. Um, and yeah, I, I, I love the idea that muggle and ancient societies, um, ancient wizard societies were closer and kind of ideas spread from one another. And yeah, Aristotle being a wizard is definitely something I could see. <laughs> He's, yeah. he fits in right with, you know, the philosophers and, um, all of that kind of philosopher's stone and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, just ancient Greeks. They're all wizards, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, and the last two comments come on the same topic. There was some discussion last week about um, Harry being similar to Voldemort. And, of course, Harry recognizes some similarities as he's going after Slughorn in a chapter. And there were people going on both sides of this with Harry's similarity to Voldemort. So first, um, Skagai has to say, on the topic of Harry acting like Voldemort, I love how this is another reinforcement that Harry isn't Voldemort. Every, which is a scary word on a forum, time Harry tries to act like Voldemort, he can't. And it's because they are approaching each situation differently. In this chapter, they both want information from Slughorn. But Voldemort lacks any empathy or compassion for Slughorn, while Harry has both of these attributes. Voldemort can be smarmy because he doesn't care at all about Slughorn. Harry, on the other hand, considers him a person and that in a vacuum, to Harry is enough to have empathy. It doesn't feel natural to him to lie for no reason. In Deathly Hallows, he was well founded, He has well-founded reasons for lying and swindling, but here Dumbledore hasn't told him why it's important. Short answer, Harry has love, Voldy, Voldy has hate. Big surprise, I know. And then on the other side, Hufflepug has to say, I've actually never liked how Harry acted like Voldemort when he asked Slughorn about the Horcruxes, but it's also kind of a facepalm moment. If Harry actually thought he was going to get any information from Slughorn that way, he must have had Nargles in his head. I know he's not the most cunning or tactful person in the world, but this just seems excessive. Okay, Ran is over. So I think there is, yeah, there are some things that, that obviously there are some similarities and some differences. To kind of push back on Skagai's comment, I think... I think Voldemort does. It, it, it's not genuine empathy, but he he definitely tries to um, feign empathy in some ways, or at least like that little buddy buddy relationship in some ways.
2: And I think you talked about this last episode, but I love the movie scene of this. Um, and you just get a, such a clear picture of, like, visually and just personality, how different Harry and Voldemort are from that from that mm-hmm. scene in the movie. Um, Hulk, Voldemort. In the the teenage Voldemort span the low since I've seen the movie, but he's just he's just kind of smarmy looking a little bit. Where Harry just seems much more innocent and genuine in that scene.
1: Yeah, um, Tom Riddle is just so controlled, and he just knows exactly what he's doing with every single choice that he makes. Whereas Harry is still kind of just dipping his toe in the water with the with the way he approaches it. He's he's testing it out. He's not really trying um, to kind of pull the wool over his eyes in any way um and ultimately that's why he failed um but just to know that harry is aware that something's probably not that it's not the best way of going about this um and that's why he's kind of hesitant about it is yeah endearing um but yeah it's a total face part moment like why <laughs> would you do that in the first place that's just a bad idea harry
0: All right. Well, that um, wraps up the comments we're reading for last week's episode. There were, like I said, so many great comments. We couldn't get to all of them as usual. There were great discussions on the dark versus the humorous elements of Half-Blood Prince, um, which so many people dove into on the the main site. Dementors and Horcruxes, that was a discussion started by Wombat Wizard. More Harry and Hermione discussion from Pig Puff. And uh, the mechanics of a pensive from Laurel Phoenix. And like I said, a lot more. So head over to the main site and check out those comments.
1: But we've also got our podcast question of the week responses from last week to get through. Um, so just a quick recap of the question. It said, as Rowling revealed, she considered killing Ron off. at And at this uh, chapter's conclusion, Ron comes as close to death as he ever would would this have been the place to kill ron if not here where in the series would this decision have best served the narrative when selecting a point for this event be sure to consider the effects on the characters and the storyline as a whole so i've just taken a few from uh, the site just that show a bit of a range of responses Um, the first one comes from they've taken my wheezy and it says this would actually have been a perfect place to kill off ron from the end of this chapter forward, we would have seen a completely different story and ending. Harry would change. We would see the aggressive and initiative-taking Harry from book five again, ready to stop playing games and end the war right then and there. His studying and hunt for horcruxes would be extremely more difficult. Harry uh, sorry, Harry wouldn't have the patience to sit down and learn anymore. The time for action would be then and there. Hopefully this would drive Dumbledore from his riddle games um, and ways of teaching and bring him to Harry's side, all secrets revealed and a full-on frontal force engaged. They would be actively hunting and being direct with one another. I solemnly believe Hermione would grow distant. This would be Harry's doing. He would want her out of harm's way and push her away. Uh, I can go on with, with specifics, but the general idea is that things would have changed drastically, probably for the better. Do you guys agree? Or the I'm not sure it would be the better. That's harsh. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, he he would. It would definitely be a call for action, um, and he would definitely be more driven. But I'm I don't think that pushing Hermione away would be a better yeah. way of doing mm-hmm. things.
0: Yeah, so many things would have gone wrong if Hermione was not as she was. Yeah, I
2: just think if the, if she had killed him off here, it would it would have been a very uh, like cowardly way to kill off like one of the main characters and almost comical. And I almost think the character of Ron deserves more respect, like a more noble way to die than choking or being poisoned, you know, maybe dying in battle later on in the series or something like that. I
0: just, I don't think this would be the best place for him to die. Cause it, it would kind of make him a joke a little bit. It's kind of funny how we think about, it made me think um, how main characters, we feel very particular about. like, it's obviously very devastating when they die, but if they are going to die, then we need it to happen in a very, like legitimate, um, like fleshed out way. I am thinking about like if anyone watches Grey's Anatomy, like the <laughs> Grey's Anatomy fandom is ready to like take out Shonda Rhimes for this very reason. But it is like important. I think you know this would have been. I, I agree that it would have been um such a like sell, sold short death if he would have died just like with the poison like in Slothorn's office.
1: I think it is interesting yeah. when people do kill off main characters in a shocking way, though, and I mean. Yeah. Just think of Game of Thrones and things sure, as well. Yeah. It's it's done for a reason. Like you can't, if you're if you're going for a realistic world, you can't yeah. give every character that you love a noble death. Um, and I think Joe does that really well with the final battle. You know, we we don't see the deaths of beloved characters for that very reason. Um, but here with Ron, you know, he is such a main character and he is such a, a endearing character that to kill him off. Here, which I—I I, I put my hands up. I generally thought when I read the chapter before this one um, that that was what happened. Oh, me too. Before, obviously, <laughs> like you can't stop reading at that point. You have to know. Oh, if yeah. He's okay. yeah. Um, <laughs> if she, if he had died here, then it would have been devastating to everyone, and we would all be on Harry's side when he goes charging off to kill Voldemort at the end mm-hmm. of this book. But then there would be no book seven. <laughs>
2: And so addressing in this comment about how Hermione would grow distant, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think it would bring her and Harry closer. Like even if Harry is sulky and tries to push her away, I think she would try to hold on to Harry if that did happen.
1: Maybe the loss of Ron is the only thing that would have actually made Harmony happen. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, that was some of the comments and for last week's episode. The people on the main site were talking about that.
1: Sure. Okay, well, Hufflepug is our next comment and it says, I think it's important to consider how the other deaths in the series would have played out if she had killed Ron. We should assume that Dumbledore would have died at the same point because that ended up being really important to how the rest of the series played out. I don't think she would have wanted to kill two major characters um, that are loved by readers in the same book, at least not until the seventh book when it's more realistic and expected for a lot of characters to die. It would make Half-Blood Prince really shocking and depressing. I think Ron would have died in Deathly Hallows instead. I see a fitting death for Ron as a heroic one near the very end of the last book, because otherwise it would have been way too hard for Harry and Hermione to continue to hunt for the Horcruxes with that grief laying over them. Some deaths in the series have been motivators for positive change, but Ron dying would be several steps too far because losing a best friend is much harder than losing a classmate or a headmaster. I'm not saying those two deaths weren't sad, It just would have been a whole different experience for Harry and Hermione. They could have succeeded in finishing their hunt for Horcruxes without him, but Ron's death in the middle of the last book, or even earlier in the series, would have made the series even more focused on grief than it already is, which would lead to a very long, heavy, and sad final book. Did J.K. Rowling kill Fred as a substitute for killing Ron, perhaps? What do you guys think?
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely would have been a very different book. Um, I was trying to, like, think... What it really would be like if he had died, as far as the Horcrux, because like Ron isn't—he's not gone for the whole search, but he's gone for a pretty significant portion of the Horcrux search. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they still like have to press on, and, and in some ways, it's—I would say—it's almost harder for them, and the way it happens in Book Seven, because they're having to deal with it immediately. Um, and if he would have died here, they would have had a little more time to like work through it and be more determined to keep going.
3: Yeah. I think it would I be harder he... for me to get through the last book knowing Ron is dead. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I think his absence during the Horcrux hunt actually provides some hope for them in a in a very weird, twisted way. Um they don't kind of consciously acknowledge the fact that they're just waiting for Ron to come back or that they're working in order to to fix their relationship with Ron. Um but I think if if the if the departure had been more permanent they definitely wouldn't have gone about things in the same way um knowing that Ron is safe at the burrow with the rest of the weasleys is comforting for them um and i think it's actually quite shocking, shocking when they find out that he's actually been kind of chasing them um the whole time rather than being you know safe at home um so knowing that he's safe allows them the freedom to to kind of go out and carry on their adventure but if he had been dead then it would be almost impossible for them to carry on in the same way Um, in terms of the other characters um, I don't know if I agree that she wouldn't want to kill two major characters in the same book it would definitely make the seventh one a lot sadder Um, but then she kills Hedwig really early on (laughs) so we know that's how it was always set up to be Um, yeah, I don't know. And I think we, we've we already seen the death of Sirius and the death of Cedric. So having the death of Ron here would just be another stepping stone in that grief. But yeah, the best friend thing definitely would be incredibly hard for them to deal with.
2: Do we think it would have affected... Um... Harry's relationship with the Weasleys and, in effect, their role in the war against Voldemort if he had died at this point? Because, you know, you think of Harry's con- main connection to the Weasleys, at this point anyway, is Ron. And so would he have grown apart from them, or would they still play a huge role in Book 7? I think that did?
0: kind of may have depended on how it would have affected Harry and Ginny's relationship. I mean, and I... I, I don't know how that would happen.
3: I still see them being close and maybe even closer because he's still been a part of the family for so long it yeah. seems like that i don't think they'd be like well yeah. my son's dead you're his best friend so get out of here too um i think they'd still welcome <laughs> him into the, the family
1: <laughs> yeah they would welcome him but he would distance himself because he would feel the guilt that he didn't save yeah i could Ron. see that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. definitely
2: hmm yeah
1: Okay, well our next comment is from KCL, and it says, I think if there was any place to kill Ron, it would—it uh, was in Sirius' place at the end of Order of the Phoenix. Here is a bad time because Harry has to get Slughorn's memory, and any time during Deathly Hallows is bad because it distracts from the Horcrux hunt. Killing him in order gives it a similar emotional impact at, um, as Sirius' death. It allows other characters, Neville for example, or maybe Ginny, to be brought forward. Or maybe even a more minor character, maybe Dean Thomas with his storyline, could have been brought into the story if Ron were killed.
0: That's fair. I think I was, I'm always like very surprised that we only get one death out of the Department of Mysteries battle. And that's yeah. not even like a real death to say. I mean, he dies, but it's not like a battle induced death. Um, Like specifically, it's just Bellatrix like shoving him through the veil. But... Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I would think that's, that's a, that's a good point.
1: And Harry went into such a depression after that, that, you know, Ron's, Ron's death would have been an equal depression. Oh, uh, geez, to geez, yeah. I think. So yeah, that would, it would make sense.
2: Yeah. And I think it would have, I think it would have caused him to like not go back to Hogwarts this year and go ahead and start fighting. I think, I think it could have given him motivation to go ahead and step out and be a rogue agent like he was in the last mm. book. I don't know. That's just what I think. I think it would be too hard for him to return to Hogwarts if Ron had died in that scene.
1: Our final comment comes from your Rufus on fire, which I just, I love that. <laughs> <screen> <laughs> so I to you. <laughs> um, and they say, I have to say I'm on the fence about this. I personally would think this is a terrible place to kill Ron. However, taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture, I don't think that the story would change all that much. I mean, it definitely would change, but the outline of the story would be the same. But it would be a completely depressing book. I really believe that Ron is the glue to the trio. Without him, especially in Deathly Hallows, we still see Harry and Hermione go on, but they are a hallowed version, a hollowed even version of themselves. The chapters Ron is missing are empty and depressing. We see that without Ron, Harry and Hermione grow distant. The only reason they keep going is the hope that Ron will come back. But if Ron died, I think they that they would press on. Um, but later Hermione would just be too overcome with sorrow that she would leave the search and Harry would go on alone. The only thing that I think would change drastically in this book, at least, is the fact that Harry would go balls to the wall ape shit on Draco. Um, <laughs> when he finds out that Draco was behind the whole scheme with the poison to kill Dumbledore and kills Ron instead. I think we might have seen a third death in this book. And then that opens a whole other can of worms. What would have happened to the series if Draco had died, especially at Harry's hand?
0: Well, if Draco would have died, Harry would have ended up dying because Narcissa wouldn't have saved him.
1: That's true. Mm -hmm.
0: And I would say,
2: like, one of the things I love about the Harry Potter series is the redemption you get from the Snape character and the Draco character at the end of the series, how they how she really redeems their character. And that is true that if he really had succeeded in killing Ron, it would be harder to uh, redeem Definitely. his character yeah. at the end. Yeah. I never even thought about that, but yeah. Definitely agree with this comment.
0: It's hard to say. I, I don't know if I agree that Ron is the glue of the trio. Um, I think it's hard to say any of yeah. them are the glue. Um but if I had to, because, like, my my instinct is to say Hermione is, but then in this book, we obviously see her unwilling to, like, move past any issues with Ron after until some time has passed. So, I don't know. I, I definitely don't see Ron as the glue, though, because, I don't know, this is a personal thing, but I have so much trouble with him leaving Harry and Hermione in Deathly Hallows. So, it's hard for me to say he's the glue.
1: They all need each other. There's, there's no sure. one. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. The thing I was uh, thinking of was um, the Horcrux hunt and the fact that Ron destroys that Horcrux. Would that Horcrux have been able to have been destroyed if Ron hadn't been there? Yeah, Did maybe, it ha- yeah. absolutely have to be him that destroyed that locket, or not locket the? What was it? It was the locket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait,
2: locket. Which I'm trying to think which one he. Actually, yeah, so they were wearing it.
1: As that affected him so much, you know, it, it seemed very personal to him that that locket was whispering, you know, his insecurities the whole time.
0: Yep. I don't know. It would have been probably, yeah, it wouldn't have been the same outcome there for sure.
1: Interesting. The whole thing would be very different. So we should be very grateful that Ron stays alive after this one particular scene. <laughs> so thinking about death in a very light-hearted way. <laughs> this past week has seen um, Sabriel Day, which some of you may know about. It is um, a, another beloved book series of mine, um, which is the Abhosen series by Garth Nix, an Australian author. Um, and that book series is all about um, necromancy and kind of battling death and um, bringing people back from the dead and all of that kind of thing, which luckily we don't have to do with Ron here. But It has an amazing audiobook, which is read by Tim Curry. So if any of you are interested in all of these kind of interesting twists and turns of death and what we could do to try and redeem ourselves on our way into the afterlife, then that is definitely an audiobook I would recommend.
0: And you know, if you're interested in an audiobook like that, the place to stop at is Audible. Because Audible is the best place for all of your audio downloading needs. And right now, Audible has a really great special offer for all of our U.S. and Canadian listeners. They can visit our unique link created specifically for them and get a free audio download today. All you have to do is go to audiblepodcast.com slash open.
3: You can also download it using Audible's listener program. Basically, you purchase book credits at a super low monthly rate and can use it at any time for any product that Audible offers.
0: With over 150,000 titles, you have a lot of options. Head over to audiblepodcast.com open and start downloading directly to your computer for easy listening on burned CDs, MP3 players, and even your iPad, iPhones, or Androids. Again, the website made just for you is audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, dot com, slash open, O-P-E-N. So visit audiblepodcast.com slash open for your free download today.
3: All right, let's dive into chapter
1: 19. McClagan! Chapter 19. Give Pigs back his bat and get back to the goalpost. Elf tales! Oh.
3: We start off in the hospital wing with Ron, who is surrounded by his loved ones. Hagrid comes to visit and mentions a fight between two professors. Harry's obsession with Malfoy has increased to stalkerish. We have a hilariously commentated Quidditch match that lands Harry in the hospital wing. And then we end it off with a visit from our favorite house elves. So I guess the first point I really have is that Ron is alive. Which I remember reading it the first time and really thinking that he had
1: died. And yeah, it's just she's just wrote it so convincingly, it's just yeah, horrific.
0: It's the perfect setup, too, right? Because like you have the the small scene where he's like been inflicted with this love potion, mm-hmm.
3: oh, they fix that, but yeah. oh,
0: wait,
2: he's actually about to die. Yeah, now he's
3: really dying. <laughs> now it's serious it. <laughs> yes definitely
2: I don't remember feeling that way I, I, it's been so long since you know it I read it right when it first came out but did we know that somebody was going to die in this book can you remember Were there any like hints?
3: I thought so sure, yes we yeah, yeah we knew somebody was so I okay. think that's why I was like oh no it's wrong
1: <laughs> and that's why you know the whole famous that uh, people coming out of the bookstores st- having read the cu- last couple of pages and shouting Dumbledore dies is because we we knew that someone was going to so people mm-hmm. were looking for it um, but yeah, we. I just yeah, totally convinced it was Ron. I was like, no, he can't die! Uh. I know. Like,
3: tears were already forming yeah. in my eyes, and I hadn't even finished like that page. I was like, I just have to go on to the next one, and then I was like, oh.
1: Yeah, luckily she doesn't leave us waiting long.
3: <laughs> oh no, thank heavens. <laughs> um, so then we have Ron is, of course, in the hospital wing, surrounded by all of his family, and Fred and George are there, um, talking about uh, buying Zonko's shop but realizing that that'd be a waste of money since all the children aren't allowed to go into Hogsmeade. Um, And then we also have them discussing um, how Ron was actually poisoned and thinking that maybe Slughorn is a Death Eater. Did you guys ever think that he would have been a Death Eater?
0: I don't think I ever suspected him but rereading it now it kind of made me wonder if I should have been more suspicious the first time I read it because it is pretty weird that Slughorn is so unable to handle the situation and that mm-hmm. Harry has to, like, rush to save Ron. Yeah. And, like, why else would Slughorn be so slow to react mm-hmm. if he didn't have some involvement?
1: Yeah, I, I felt I kind of the same way you did. <laughs> I think I was just I was totally sold on his ineptness. Like, he he's a very good teacher and he's very good at... um you know, his his potions and all of that kind of thing. But I think he's very bad at handling um, stressful situations. And I think we've seen that on a number of occasions. So, yeah, I was totally sold in the fact that he just froze at this point and was completely incapable of doing anything. Um, so I, I never really thought that he might be a Death Eater, even though he's a Slytherin. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, a, it's quite nice to be sold on someone's innocence for a change in stitherin
0: <laughs> about Fred and George coming and the Zonkos thing doesn't that seem like an i like finished like or it just seems like so dissatisfying like Fred and George are um Hogsmeade me to buy zonkos it seems like there yeah. should be more there because like all of a sudden they're like just there in the hospital wing and then yeah. like, later they explain they're going to buy zonkos but then like nothing comes of that
1: i think it's just an excuse for them being there i think yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: that, I just feel like I wanted more from that. Like, did Joe really just make that up to give them, ex- give an excuse to put Fred and George there? Because is it really important yeah. for them to be in the hospital wing? I don't know.
3: Yeah, because I mean, they still could have come to the hospital wing, hearing that their brother was poisoned and almost killed. Your family members would come no matter what. So why put in that yeah. they were already yeah. in town?
1: No, that's because true. I
0: don't think we get anything else later in the series of them trying to buy Zonkos or do anything in Hogsmeade, do we?
1: No, no not once that they know recall. that the kids aren't there, then they... Well, we
0: can... yeah. don't. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. It does make you wonder. I mean, the only other person we see that keeps cropping up in unlikely places because of kind of watching what's going on is Tonks, and it makes you wonder if they were there for another kind of order reason. reason. Mm. Um, huh. All right, so then we have Hagrid, who
3: comes to visit Ron, um, and we get a quick mention of how Aragog isn't doing well. Um, but he also mentions, and Harry finds this very interesting, is that Hagrid has overheard Dumbledore and Snape arguing, arguing over something Snape doesn't want to do anymore. I don't know about you guys, but I just realized like what the fight was over, and that's pretty like a blonde moment of me. <laughs> but as many <laughs> times as I've read this book, but like in detail, I was like, oh, that's what they're fighting over. <laughs>
2: Well, this scene reminds me – like I know Circle Theory, this would be book two. But this – this like the previous chapter and this chapter reminds me so much of book one. Um, and like as I was reading, I actually like, made a list of a lot of the parallels between this scene, this chapter, and the previous one in book one. They talked about the bizarre, which was mentioned mm-hmm. in the first one. But really when, when they're talking about when Hagrid let something slip about Snape, that – just reminded me so much of Book One when he let something slip about Snape, and also the fact that they're kind of suspecting one of their teachers of, I guess, foul play or being you know in league with Lord Voldemort, whatever. I just this I just couldn't stop like writing down all these different things. It's reminding yeah, of book it's very.
1: One I shouldn't have said this, that. I should scene. not have said that.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, also, didn't it say, maybe I'm misremembering, but didn't it say that Hagrid was reading to Aragog? Oh,
3: I don't remember.
0: Like, when he says (laughs) that he was, like, with Aragog, um, like, in the forest, does he? I need to get my book. Maybe I read over that (laughs) fast. But if that is true, (laughs) I really need to know more about him reading to Aragog.
1: What kind of books would Aragog like? Yeah, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I want
0: to make sure I'm not making this up.
1: To it's gonna it. be the she love sequence in Lord the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I've I've been reading to him.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> See, like what?
3: Hagrid, <laughs> you
0: you are just some sort of human. Yep. <laughs> I really want to know what he's reading to Aragorn.
3: Charlotte's Web.
0: Um, there you go. <laughs> Sadly, um, <laughs> the, the end is that that's because ending. you know the ending. So
3: yeah. <laughs> Um, And then we have, I guess my next point is Harry's uh, still obsession with Malfoy. Um, He checks the Marauder's Map everywhere he goes. He even takes time to sneak off to go to the bathroom just to check his map to see where Malfoy is. Which is so creepy.
0: (laughs) I wonder if, like, other students, like, see Harry, like, wandering off. Well, I guess they don't see him carrying the map. But, but, like, like, if someone did happen to see him just, like, rushing into the bathroom in a stall, like, just staring at a map.
3: That's that's the fifth time Harry's gone to the bathroom (laughs) in an hour. (laughs) 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 Always pulling out that
1: map. Um, And, I mean, he... Malfoy used to be in so many of his classes. Like, he was in Defense Against the Dark Arts Mm -hmm. and everything with him, wasn't he? Yeah. Is it just potions now?
0: I think so. I believe so, yeah. Defense Against the Dark Arts.
1: But yeah, they still go
3: from like so many classes together to now so few. Um, And even Harry loves Quidditch so much, but he sees Malfoy walking away from the Quidditch pitch in the castle and everything, and he still wants to go and is so tempted. Even though he loves Quidditch so much, he's so tempted just to go follow Malfoy and see where he is. That he's going to miss the game he loves because he's so obsessed with Malfoy right now.
1: I love that it's Ginny that calls him out on this as well. Like, she asks him where he was and is like, why does it matter? <laughs> Just gives you a little glimpse into how, you know, she's going to sort him out in the future. It'll be fine. <laughs> Someone's got to keep him on
3: track. All right, next we have um, the Quidditch game, and to Harry's surprise, he hears a familiar voice, and it is Luna commentating and she seems a little more interested in the shapes of the clouds than the actual cottage game going on but uh, i think that's amazing cuz i love that character.
0: <laughs> Gorman McGonagall, got
1: reaction. Oh yes. <laughs> she's
0: she's having a rough time this year dealing with all the wild and loose aloof uh commentators.
1: It's nice to have just such a domestic problem. Like she she must like just having to deal with odd commentating rather than having to deal with life-threatening <laughs> things all the time.
0: Yeah.
1: It is that light-relief chapter, really, isn't it? It's just, yeah, lots of stuff that's just breaking the tension and apologizing for always killing Ron. <laughs> and then you have... Mc- I always get his name messed up.
3: Um, McLag- McLagan. McLagan uh <laughs> is trying to be the boss of the team and ends up taking somebody else's beater and ends up hitting Harry in the head with a bludger. Which, once again, Ouch. Harry finds himself in the hospital wing.
1: <laughs> and Ron's reaction is
3: just, nice of you to drop in. <laughs> I Thanks for joining it. me, the Favorite mate. line it's of the brilliant.
1: chapter.
3: Yes, that was perfect.
2: <laughs> I think that whole scene is brilliant writing because I actually I actually had to go back, when I was rereading this um, earlier this week, I had to go back and reread that those couple paragraphs where they go from him being on the Quidditch mm-hmm. uh pitch to the hospital wing because it's it's such like a fluid mm-hmm. like transition because you really think okay well where is he now but then you kind of figure it out i think it's, that's just great how she did that
1: and it shows that we're really in harry's head for the narration as well like mm-hmm. we we almost drop out of consciousness yeah. just as harry does <laughs> and then suddenly we're waking up to ron's beautiful face yes <laughs> it's red hair <laughs> so, what do we
0: think happened after Harry gets knocked out of the Quidditch match because they're down a player? I don't think we've ever like seen a match follow through where a player's lost in the middle and how they Especially deal with it.
1: Especially the Sika. Yeah. Right, yeah. What, what just, were the points? He must have to take it.
0: Because they kicked their butt. Like I, It was really lopsided. It didn't it end was, right then. Like, Hufflepuff scored. 320. A lot. It was 320 300 to 60.
3: To 60. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, can like. His team's. I think they're, they're supposed to have like substitutes, okay. so people that would sub on. But Harry, being the coach—well, not the coach—the the captain, captain—and captain, um, also, you know, being Harry and being obsessed with Draco and things, he doesn't have a, a backup team or anything. Yeah, he's so only did got a few people.
0: Seeker, or like, no. what
1: happened? I think Ginny would have stepped up to kind of take control of the rest of the team. But there was no way they were going to win that match without a seeker without Harry.
0: Yeah, because it seems like Ginny would play Seeker.
1: Yeah, they just have to carry on playing until the other team <laughs> catches the snitch.
0: Yeah, and Hufflepuff ran the board. Woohoo! <laughs> Yo, we gotta chill, Sorry. though. You got two <laughs> Gryffindors on today. So.
2: <laughs> but do we really think they have um, alternates at Hogwarts? Because I know we like they mention it, I think, with the World Cup yeah. in Book 4, but we never actually see them using alternates no, at Hogwarts. No, not mid-game, do I don't think yeah.
0: so. For all of the <laughs> rules, the, the rules that Joe has fleshed out for quidditch we have no idea how alternates work for house quidditch
1: but this is another brilliant example of her avoiding writing a quidditch game yeah. yes exactly yeah. so true. Gosh. <laughs> the game happened off screen and ron tells us all about how amazing the commentary was and yeah it was a brilliant game because hufflepuff won by an amazing amount um but that's what joe was after
0: that was her underlying motive she just wanted to give hufflepuff a
1: shining yeah moment. <laughs> <laughs> we have to have something come on <laughs> <laughs> so she takes Harry
3: out of the game, so y'all can have something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the only way we were gonna win. <laughs> Never mind.
2: <laughs> do you think there? Do you think that's the reason why we don't have the whole game? Because I, I seem to remember like a quote from Rowling saying something about how she would have stopped writing Quidditch earlier in the series, but she didn't realize. She realized that yeah. people loved it so much. So I guess she didn't want to spend so much time on it, but this is kind of like a good medium, like only see half the oh, game. Oh, definitely, yeah. But still get on to like later she action. Just, yeah,
1: she really doesn't like writing it. Um, and I think, yeah, this is the yeah. perfect compromise to, to have Harry in, be injured. Um, yeah, Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> At least he didn't lose an entire arm this time. He's just Shouldn't. got a bit of a bump on the head. We're making progress. Just a correct yeah. skull. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right, and then so Harry is in the hospital wing, and he's talking with Ron, and I can't remember—is this the part where he talks about um, lavender, or was that earlier on?
0: Well, this is when he
3: like says how. Oh no,
0: I think it now. Now I'm not sure.
1: I I can't remember because I forgot about. I think he mentions it before heading to the Quidditch game. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's what it was. Yeah, he asked Ron to stop pretending to be asleep when she comes in and all those kind of things
0: god what a wrong he's, thing to he's do so awkward
1: with girls <laughs> it, it, i mean it's so
3: odd yeah well he's always awake when i'm there but uh
0: <laughs> do we, wait okay so actually on that because i was thinking do we think harry did that on purpose to lavender or is harry just as aloof and doesn't realize the effect it's going to have
1: they're both idiots. Yeah. <laughs> they're uh, just both idiots.
0: I think so, too. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't think he Because if
0: it was me, I would have said it just to, like, have that little effect on her, because, like, like yeah, in exactly. her shoes as much as he dislikes lavender. Mm-hmm. But I don't think yeah. he realizes what he does. <laughs>
3: Maybe this
1: will leave her alone. She'll leave me alone if I say this. <laughs> yeah, I think if it was Hermione that said it, then it would be definitely pointed. But, yeah, Harry's right. just <laughs> completely oblivious.
3: As they're in the hospital wing, um... We see Creature and Doby again. Harry realizes with his Malfoy obsession that there is a way that he can find out what Malfoy is doing all the time. So he summons Creature and Doby is with him and they are fighting on the ground, which I'm sure would be an interesting sight to see.
0: (laughs) Do we even know why they're fighting when they show up?
3: Yeah, because Creature said something rude about Harry.
0: That's what it was. Or something like that. Ins- mind,
3: insulted him.
0: <laughs> I was kind of hoping that there was, like, something going on, like, beforehand. Um, like,
3: like a legit...
0: Like, problem. Creature, like, dropped a, a pot or something. And, like, <laughs> Dobby was really unhappy about it.
3: You took one of my socks.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> you know Dobby runs that kitchen. Like, he runs the kitchen at Hogwarts.
1: It's probably something that <laughs> like Creature would have insulted Winky or something. And Dobby would have protected her honor. Oh, yeah, that's sweet. There you that's
3: go. see. <laughs> um, so once they pull them apart and they've stopped fighting, Harry gives um, Creature the instruction to follow Malfoy and give him as many updates as he can. And of course, Dobby wants to help him uh, in any way that he is able to. And Harry tries to make sure there are no loopholes for Creature, so he won't be able to tell Malfoy what he's up to.
0: That scene isn't in the movie, is it? No, no. there
1: are no house I wish not.
0: it. I wish it would have been because mm-hmm. she describes this so well. Like you, exactly know the look on creature's face as he's like painfully trying to like grasp at some loophole and mm-hmm. like the the surrender to it.
3: And his bowing, <laughs> where his like nose touches his shoes and stuff, you're like, I-, I wish it was in the movie.
2: I don't know. I just think Harry is. I would I would not trust I would not trust creature with this task. I feel like there he, if he thinks hard enough, he can find some loophole to like tip him off. Could I would he, just get Dobby to do it. Could
3: creature tell somebody in Malfoy's family to then?
2: That's what I was thinking. Something like tell someone else to tell them yeah. or something.
1: I think Harry says that they he can no he cannot contact Draco in any way. So that would be included in there.
3: So that would include
1: his family. You leave a message by, through someone else. Indirectly.
0: Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I did wonder in this, because I realized that, especially in this moment, that both of the house elves that Harry has these stronger relationships with connect him to the Malfoys in a very significant way. So it made me mm-hmm. wonder if Joe, which, like, thing Joe thought at first. If she thought of one of the house elves' um, stories and then found a way to, like, thread the Malfoys' Through them, or um, if it was like the reverse, um, it wasn't until later, uh, or that she originally thought of the Malfoy connection, and then sort of like put the house elves through that story.
1: Well, the whole of Chamber of Secrets is a really Dobby's story, isn't it? Right from yeah. the very beginning, he's the one pulling strings and dropping cakes on people's heads, and right, but you making know, a like, mess of everything.
0: <laughs> like here, we start to see how important it is that can. Well, like, like it wouldn't be. It could be any house elf to follow Draco in this book, right? But mm-hmm. um, it isn't. It's these these house elves that are connected with Malfoy in some way, which isn't important here. But Dobby is obviously important in the next book with the Malfoys. Like he wouldn't not any house elf would be as familiar with the Malfoy Manor. So I wonder if that's something Joe planned all along, or if it just something happened along the way.
1: Hmm. I think it's also important that Harry does call upon creature and proves that he trusts him in some way in this sequence um, so that the relationship is repaired in some way ready for Harry actually going to Grimwood Place in the next book. Um, because if you hadn't had this kind of sequence of him giving him tasks that he could do and, and getting results in a positive way, then the relationship would be in no, no way near where it needs to be for a creature to trust him with... Um, yeah Regulus's story, and then they would never have found the locket.
0: I did think it's kind of funny that I don't I couldn't remember how often Joe does this where we don't actually get the point of the title until the very last few paragraphs of the chapter. yeah yeah that's It seems very like true. that does happen pretty fr- somewhat frequently in the series, and I don't like I don't know if I've read many books where that's the case
1: no and it always this this chapter title always confuses me as well because i read the pun rather than the actual intended meaning um so elf tales as in the elves are telling us stories rather than elf tales as in they're tailing the people yeah um so just got that. whenever i'm kind of lo- yeah <laughs> whenever I'm, whenever i'm looking at the chapter titles and trying to work out something that's happened in this chapter i i i look for so i'm looking for you know, Dobby and Creature reporting on what they've seen. And I go to this chapter thinking, okay, it, it, the elves are telling tales and just, yeah, that's not what happens in this scene at all. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a title that I'm not sure how successful it is. Yeah. Um, but I do like the pun, so yeah, it's good.
0: I don't know what else <laughs> she would have titled it because like we no. said, it's kind of like bits and pieces throughout the chapter. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: definitely, yeah. Yeah, that'd be an interesting.
0: I guess it would probably be titled something with the Quidditch and not significant enough to hold the Mm -hmm. title.
1: Yeah, I agree. Or something about Draco, but then that's putting too much attention on him as well. Um, And yeah, it's a a difficult chapter, really, this one. Um, It's very much uh, repairing the problems of last chapter and just bridging into the next bit. So this chapter is a total light relief filler. And as always, the best light moments come from Luna. So our podcast question of the week this week is how exactly did she get that job of commentator at the quidditch match what are the requirements for the role and who else did mcgonagall try first because let's face it luna was probably her last resort let us know your thoughts on our site at the podcast question of the week thread and of course we'd
3: like to thank our guest drew for being on this week thank you so much drew
2: yeah
0: thanks for having me it's been it's been great and if you would like to be on the show just like Drew, head over to our Be On The Show page, which you can find at Um If you have a set of Apple or similar headphones, you're all set. No fancy equipment needed. And while you're there, you can check our website to download a ringtone for free.
1: You can also contact us in a variety of different ways. So if you're on Twitter, you can find us at mn. If you're on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash open the Dumbledore. On Tumblr we are MN Alohimora podcast and on Skype you can call us 206 go albus that's 2064625287 and don't forget you've also got our audio boom which you can find directly on our site at alahmura.magnet.com it's free you just need a microphone but we do ask that you keep it under 60 seconds please so that we can show it on uh, so that we can play it on the show
3: And don't forget to check out our store where we have house shirts, desk pig, Mandrake Liberation Front, and of course Minerva is my homegirl, and so many more other options.
0: Also make sure to check out our smartphone app, which as far as we know is is available all over the muggle world, possibly the magical world, though the technology may be a little difficult to work. Prices may vary depending on location. The app has things like transcripts, bloopers, alternate endings, host vlogs, and much more. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Mora. I'm Caleb Graves.
1: I'm Kristin Keyes. And I'm Rosie Morris. Thank you for listening to episode 137 of Mora. Open the Dumbledore.